This is a podcast from Rover. This is a very important conversation to have, and there is a brand new book out today. It is called When Sex Is Not Enough. It is three different fertility journeys because whether or not you've embarked on your fertility journey or not yet, it affects one in four couples that try to have a baby or one in four people. I don't, you know, some people aren't doing it in a couple. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. <laughs> and uh, we're very lucky to have the wonderful Melissa and Stephanie in studio with us today. Welcome, guys. This is so exciting. So you guys have got your first book out today. It's called When Sex Is Not Enough. And that is so true. As somebody that had like a uh, trials and tribulations uh, leading to my two boys, um, what inspired you guys to want to write this book? Um, we were actually our friends, which I think a lot of people don't realize is that um, we'd had separate conversations around, man, there's just nothing out there for us to read. And mm-hmm. um, I'm a reader, so I wanted an actual book, not a blog or a, a statistic sheet from Reprimed or something mm-hmm. like that. Like mm-hmm. actually some emotion, but with some hope, with some rawness, but with a little bit of thought in it as well. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that is like one thing really like if you have a a miscarriage or if you're struggling to get pregnant or something like that you want to find something that's not just medical and something factual because do you find that sometimes on a fertility journey and it's nothing against like medical people but it can sometimes feel quite clinical and dismissive and they're immune to it so they kind of sometimes lack the empathy Exactly, exactly. And I think that was the other um, the other side of things where when we were struggling, um, the only support we could find was within each other because that was exactly it. You'd go to an appointment, it mm. would be like, okay, well, this is the problem today, so this is what we're going to do, A plus B equals C, you know? Yeah. And it, there was just no empathy. And, and that's just because that's their job and that's what they have to do. Mm. Um, so it was a great way to um, – we were very lucky to have connected with each other um, and be able to share this experience. And from that, we realised – there's a huge gap in the market here. There's a lot of people affected and we need to help them. So we we just had to do something. Mm. We've just even noticed as we've started posting about the book coming out, you know, we're all excited. The stories we've had coming in from strangers yeah. kind of bearing their souls to us around their journeys that we're like, wow, this really is needed. Mm. Yeah, it's way more, uh, more common than you realise. Like I, I remember it's always stuck with me uh, after my – second miscarriage was a doctor saying to me my GP saying to me oh okay well you know like hope's not all lost like if you have another one then um we can refer you to uh at the fertility place like blah 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 and I'm like yeah cool man I just yeah. lost my baby like I don't want to like lose another one like just tell me who to go to I'm more than happy to pay yeah. to go and find out what's going on but also sometimes it can be frustrating like people keep telling you there's nothing wrong with you and it's just bad luck Turned out there was something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. But, like, do you find that as well, that sometimes you just feel like nobody can hear you? Yes. <laughs> the answer Short is answer, yes. yes. Yes, definitely. I think um, there's a big thing as well around, the, you know, female health, full stop. You know, that we, there's not a, a lot that's talked about and it's still kind of in the closet around don't talk about that. So having babies is just too hard, it seems, for so mm. many people just to talk about it all. If you do know someone that, that ha- you know is having fertility problems or having trouble having a baby, what is your advice to that person or to, as a friend to that person? How can you give them advice or be, be there as a support person? We always say, like, communicate your boundaries properly. So mm-hmm. it's a two-way street. It's really hard if you're also the friend of someone going through something 
because you don't know what to do and the only way you know is if you're told. So we always talk about tell people what you want from them. Um, I was very quick to tell people I'm not going to baby showers yeah. um, and kind of made yeah. that a rule. Yeah. And my friends were so grateful to have that be known to them and so they stopped inviting me and I gave them that permission. Don't yeah. invite me, yeah. I don't want to know. Just leave it out because they were on that walking on eggshells. Do we ask her? Do we not? What yeah. do we, yeah. yeah. I was, that's interesting. I was like that but I um, I feel like I, I feel like I just keep going, me too, me too. <laughs> but it just goes to show like how yeah. common yeah. this mm-hmm. is amongst And uh, when you find people. that connection, you're like, oh yeah. yay, yay. Yeah, I, like I would go to baby showers but I would always say, um, I'm gonna. Are you guys gonna be opening the presents? And I would leave at the present opening because I went to mm. a couple of present openings and I was like, oh, this is horrible. Like I am <laughs> hating every second of seeing these little clothes and yep. things that I don't know if I'll ever get to use. And so I would go until the present opening and then I would leave because I couldn't handle that. And that's that's a great. That's exactly what I was saying. That was your boundary and that was yeah. your trigger. Mm-hmm. And everyone has a different trigger and yeah. it's so personalised. Um, and it depends on what your story is, you know. Mm. So um, for me, um, we have a surrogate child. So, um, you know, seeing a pregnant woman sometimes can you know that's my trigger um and you know so it's and it's different with all of us we all have a different story um but yeah having those boundaries or um another good one we like to share is have a fur baby because yeah they they don't judge they don't talk and sometimes you just need you know they're always comforting you and they know when you need it unconditional love unconditional exactly so um we've that was our number one wasn't it yeah baby it's quite interesting like those just those little things that are so throwaway like when people knew that you were having a crappy time getting pregnant and people would be like oh my god like it was an accident like we didn't even mean to get pregnant and you're like mm. pick your audience yeah. man yeah. like it's cool. my dream yeah. Yeah. yeah i was like i'd give anything to accidentally get pregnant yeah. you know like it's actually quite hard for some people but can you guys talk us a little bit through your journeys because there's obviously your journeys and there's also your friend simone's journey is it simone or simone simone, simone. Yeah. and simone's journey in the book as well so can you talk us through like what you guys are going to be covering in your book yeah so uh simone cervical cancer and then has had five rounds of IVF and is still hopeful, still trying to have a baby. So I think that's quite important as well is that the three of us recognised it doesn't mean everyone's going to end up with um, a a baby. Yeah, and we were just talking on the car on the way here about what a happy ending is. Mm -hmm. It's going to change along the journey as well. And yeah, we had to be prepared for that. So she's in that space. Mine was... Uh, male fertility factor so my husband's sperm is um, not great (laughs) and so there's issues around you know what that meant for him as a man and all of that kind of thing so we did IVF and we're just very lucky to be um, successful on the first round and I have a three-year-old now Um, yeah yeah yeah, and um, my story um, involves surrogacy um, and in this country adoption so um, because our adoption laws are so outdated. Um, they literally state the person who gives birth to a child is the birth mother. Yeah. Regardless mm. of their genetics. So I was reading that. So is it correct that, like, say you're a couple, you genetically are the sperm, the egg mm-hmm. is just cooked up in another person's body. Mm-hmm. But even though it's full your mm-hmm. sperm, your egg, that person is the parent and they can't adopt. You have to then adopt your Ado- own yeah. child, That's like, exactly after... Right. Like, how long do you have to wait? Is it like six months or something? Yes, yeah, so we were really lucky. We got, um, we, we were able to adopt Grayson um, 
five months, mm-hmm. five months. But that was quite fast on the scheme of things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this entire process, and, and, and it's it's not all in vain. Um, it is actually, there are parts of this entire process, which is quite good. Um, however, yeah, I mean, it takes a year to plan a baby. It takes mm. nine months to make a baby. And then it takes another five months to nine months to Say it's adopt your baby. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, it isn't... Um, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. One night on the booze, good time. You know, she's a, <laughs> yeah. she's a long process. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, the law, look, and that was the other thing we wanted to bring up as well in the book is, is there, there, you know, bring it to light that there needs to be change. Yeah. Um, and particularly now with so many different types of couples, you know, there's not just male and female couples mm. anymore. And everybody has a right to be a parent. It is a privilege to be a parent. Yeah. So um, let's get up to date and let's acknowledge that, People are making families so many different ways now. Yeah. And um, we shouldn't make it even harder when, you know, um, w- you know, we should a- acknowledge good parents. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, amazing. Oh, sorry, have you got another question? Oh, no, I thought you were going to ask a question. No, I was, oh. was going to wrap it up. Oh, no, question, go for it. no, so the last thing that I wanted to ask you guys, because I think it is really important and it's something that is very commonly forgotten about, um, you know, fertility journeys and things like that, is that male perspective. And you guys do cover that in your book did you find have you found that that was maybe some of the hardest chapters to have written because it, it, like for guys it's so hard to kind of know unless they're the one that is I hate saying the problem but you know what I mean like fertility factor the fertility yeah. factor yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, well they did it kicking and screaming um, <laughs> They yeah we say this quite a lot we're three strong women so they do what they're told um, yeah they'll be laughing as they hear this but um it was quite powerful for us to read what they had written, to see their perspective, but also I think cathartic for them as well to acknowledge that they are part of the journey too, regardless mm. of if they have the factor or not. They still ride that partnership wave with us. So it's it's good to hear that different perspective. It's lovely for us to read the lovely comments as well. It was Aww. quite nice. Um, but yeah, just a good space to actually share that it isn't and it shouldn't just be the one parent, which is typically the mother in this space. Yeah, it shouldn't just be that voice we hear. It should be both both voices. A hundred percent. What would yeah. be your advice to couples that are going through these journeys, like and and more specifically relationship wise? Because I can imagine it can be a real stress on a relationship. Someone blaming the other person, things like that. Knowing what you know now, mm. what's your advice to couples that are having this this journey? Look, I think, um, I mean, we discuss it, there's a whole chapter on marriage, and, and yeah. um, for us we are all married, but whether it's a partnership, same sex, it doesn't matter. The the, the, the point is, is when you have someone on you, on your side, and it could just be your, your mother who's supporting you, and you're, you know, you're going along this journey by yourself, whoever, the person you have next to you, um, the main thing you can do is communicate, because yeah. it is such an overwhelming experience, and it can, you know... Um, it can throw you. Um, so if you have that person next to you, that one person you can confide in, that one person after you've had a horrible day and you've gone to a coffee group with your girlfriends and it's just been about Ugh. breastfeeding yeah. and who's not Nappies. sleeping and you're sitting there going, okay, cool, I can't contribute. Yeah. And you go home and you just hysterically cry for an hour. Mm. He, she, whatever is going to give you that hug and let you and hear you and understand you. So... Um, if anything, I, I guarantee this made this unfortunate journey made my marriage stronger, mm. made us 
um, yeah, it made us a stronger couple. So there's always light um, and darkness. You just got to find it. Yeah. My uh, my husband likes to say it takes a little longer to make the really, really cool ones. Oh, oh that, yes. I love I was like, it. That's what he would always say to me. And it's like even good man. now I've got my two little boys and I wouldn't change that for the world. I still wonder, especially my little boy before Tyson, I, I – often will be like, I wonder what he would have been mm. like. Like he would have, you know, or my first baby would have been six now. And yeah. thinking like, oh my gosh, mm. like she would have been so well, school. Th- like, and the thing, because that's the thing, right? It yeah. doesn't go away. No. I think one of the things I've, I talk about is there's that survivor's guilt as well, mm-hmm. that once you've kind of got onto the other side, like, you know, I'm grateful and I'm, you know, obviously so, so thankful. Yeah. But it hasn't it, taken away that pain. I no. still went through that and it still sits there. Yeah. Um. So, you know, we, I mean, I now get that when you're going to have the second child as if now that we've had a child, the sperm is somehow fixed or something. Yeah, like, exactly. I don't know, but yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's, it's like this constant thing and like, Dan, uh, Sean, you probably have it to an extent, like you're moving in. When are you getting going to get engaged? Then you get engaged and then oh. you get yeah. married. Then the day you get married, you're like, oh, when, when are you going to have a kid? And like, oh, you have a kid. Oh, when are you going to have a second kid? Oh, you're going to have a third kid. Like, it's like. I get asked, I'm like, mate, I just had a premature baby. I was in hospital for five yeah. weeks and I almost died. I don't think I'm going to have another baby. Or it's the classic <laughs> Hannah gets quite often. She won't drink some nights when she goes out and everybody's yes. like, oh, oh aren't you drinking, yeah. eh? Yeah. But it's like, she's just driving. Let people enjoy, enjoy yeah. the journey and not rush to the next destination. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for joining us, guys. And I think a lot of New Zealanders will be really, really benefiting from this and appreciative that someone has, has written a book like this in Aotearoa. It's out today. It's called When Sex Is Not Enough.